From the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, this is Catholic Military Life, the only official podcast of the Archdiocese. I'm your moderator, Taylor Henry. And for this edition, it is my high honor and privilege to have as my guest, most worthy Supreme Knight, Patrick E. Kelly, the new Supreme Knight of the Knights of Columbus. Welcome. Yes, uh, Taylor, thank you very much. I I couldn't be happier uh, to be on this podcast with you and and to uh, be uh, talking to so many members of our military services. Well, it's a great honor to have you, sir, and uh, the Knights have been extraordinarily uh, generous to the Archdiocese for the military services uh, in uh, in years past, uh, providing uh, all kinds of uh, support, uh, including not least of which is our co-sponsored seminarian program. Mm -hmm. And just recently, uh, the Knights uh, delivered uh, or began delivering 100,000 copies of the new sixth edition of the Armed with the Faith prayer book, uh, which is uh, a practically indestructible prayer book for uh, uh, servicemen and women. It can go uh, just about anywhere, including uh, trenches in the, uh, in the field of battle. Uh, Supreme Knight Kelly, could you tell us, please, sir, uh, how did this uh, uh, project come about, and uh, uh, what's, the, what's the idea behind providing these prayer, prayer books for the men and women who serve? Yeah, thanks, Taylor. So the project first came about in 2003, and uh, so it's it's you know it's almost we're almost 20 years on uh, with the project, uh, not quite, but it really came about I think uh, as a result of the long-standing uh, support and long-standing relationship that the Knights of Columbus have with the United States military. And, and uh, we really, um, we have been very, very involved with the military for, uh, really for, for most of our history. Most of the founding, the founding members of the Knights of Columbus were veterans of the Civil War. And then in every subsequent war, World War One, we were very involved uh, with putting recreation centers in Europe for, for soldiers involved in World War Two and uh, in, 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 in all subsequent wars. And so it really comes from, uh, I think, the same ethos, the ethos that the Knights of Columbus has, which is one of service and, and one of sacrifice and loyalty uh, to, to the church and loyalty to the United States. We see it uh, as very much the same ethos that really uh, is so much a part of the U.S. military. So that's really where the the idea came from, uh, and then uh, we are on the sixth edition now of this of the Armed with Faith prayer book, uh, which is which, as you say, Taylor, is almost indestructible. And we've had an extraordinary demand for these prayer books. Right before the sixth edition came out, there were uh, lots of folks uh, inquiring, "When will the next edition be out?" And so, <laughs> finally, uh, it has arrived. And uh, uh, thank you so much for that. Um, so, Supreme Knight Kelly, you uh, took over from Carl A. Anderson a few months ago. Uh, let's talk about your uh, vision, your goals uh, for the Knights of Columbus going forward. Uh, well, what are some of your priorities? 
Yeah, well, you know, the Knights of Columbus is, uh, is such uh, uh, an extraordinary organization. I'm so honored to be, to be leading uh, the two million men and the two million families that comprise the Knights of Columbus. Um, obviously, we have a great legacy of, of service to the church uh, and service to our communities with all of the, the charitable works that Knights of Columbus do, both at a, at a local level, uh, but also on an international level. Uh, that will continue, um, as will our support and our unity with the church. Uh, we, we, one of our, one of our charism, charisms, if you will, is that uh, we're in solidarity with our bishops and priests, and we take that very seriously. Um, uh, obviously, the church experiences ups and downs, uh, like, like every organization, but we feel that the church is, is, a, is a, defi- a divinely instituted organization, and we are loyal to our bishops and to our priests. But we also are in unity with, uh, with the See of Peter, with the Holy Father. And I was just recently in Rome in October uh, representing all of the members of the Knights of Columbus in a, in a meeting with the Holy Father, which was you know, enormously, uh, enormously warm and encouraging of all of the great work of the Knights of Columbus. Uh, so that's, that's really what, what uh, is so important about this organization. So all of, those, all of that historic work of the Knights will continue but I do think there's, in, in a very special way, I think uh, Father McGivney founded the Knights of Columbus to help the Catholic family. Uh, he saw in, in the 1880s that families were under pressure from a wider culture that, that did not support them and was hostile toward them. So he, he devised the Knights of Columbus as a way to help those families to strengthen the men in their faith and to strengthen their families. Um, I think there are some very important parallels to what the Catholic family is going through today. I think the Catholic family is under a tremendous amount of pressure uh, raising their children in the faith. I think our culture is is, uh, doing its level best uh, to pull our children away from our faith. So I think the Knights of Columbus uh, have a role to play there uh, in terms of shoring up uh, the faith of our men and, uh, and then through that, the faith of the family. So I think if you, if you look at where we are as a culture, um, I think that's a unique thing that the, the Knights of Columbus can help fathers with and help men with is their family life. And I think this is very much in keeping with our original with our founding, with the founding vision uh, of Blessed Michael McGivney 140 years ago. I was going to say, when you mentioned that, it sounds like, uh, you know, the, the circumstances under which he started the Knights back in the 1880s sound similar to what we're experiencing today. Yeah, they, I, I really think it's, they, they are. I mean, obviously, the, 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 the cast of characters are a little different, <laughs> uh, but, but and, and, and the rationale. So at, at that time, you had a you had a largely Protestant culture that that really was very suspicious and did not like these Catholic immigrants. Now that's changed now, but what, what what you have now is you have a you have a culture that is aggressively secular, 
and aggressively atheistic, and, and that, that is putting pressure on the Catholic family. Uh, so it, in a way, I think the Lord, um, the Lord uh, through Father McGivney, founded the Knights of Columbus for a reason uh, in the 1880s, but I think that, that founding vision is, is very, very relevant, and I think the Lord is, is equipping the Knights of Columbus in this day and age uh, to shore up shore up the Catholic family now, just as it did in the 1880s. What a privilege to be able to meet with uh, Pope Francis. Uh, Tell me a little bit more about that. What was that like um, when you uh, recently went to visit? Yeah, it was was a tremendous honor uh, to be there and and to meet with the Holy Father and and, uh, to represent the Knights of Columbus. Uh, I, I thank the Holy Father for all that he has done support us. I spoke with him about um, St. Joseph, about, about our, our devotion to St. Joseph. I, uh, I became Supreme Knight during the year of St. Joseph, so I consecrated my administration, uh, if you will, to, to St. Joseph. And I, know, and, and I know the Holy Father has a very strong uh, devotion to St. Joseph. So we talked about St. Joseph. We talked about the charitable work of the Knights of Columbus. And we talked about Father McGivney, uh, and I, I thank the Holy Father for approving the beatification of Father McGivney. So it was a very it was a very warm meeting, and, and I came away from it with uh, a real sense that the Holy Father really appreciates the Knights of Columbus, and he appreciates all that we're doing. I'm talking to most worthy Supreme Knight Patrick E. Kelly, the. Uh, uh, Supreme Knight of the Knights of Columbus, and uh, you just um, are telling us about your visit with uh, uh, Pope Francis. You also mentioned earlier that uh, about the international character of the Knights of Columbus. The Knights have grown into other countries. I know Korea uh, uh, certainly now has a, a council or councils for the Knights of Columbus. So what are some of the other countries where the Knights are now present? Yeah, so so we we are um, obviously we started in, in the United States. Uh, we quickly moved in those early years to Canada and to Mexico. Uh, then we moved to the Philippines, um, and uh, more recently, as, as you mentioned, Taylor, we're, we're, we are now in Korea, but also in Europe. We are uh, we are in France and in Ukraine. Um, so we really are uh, we really are expanding. And I, I should say also that um, the Knights of Columbus in Poland is really growing uh, in, a, in a very strong way. Uh, we, were, we were asked by Pope John Paul II uh, to start the Knights in Poland, and, uh, and we did. And really the, the Holy Spirit has really uh, uh, prompted great growth for the Knights there. Now, the, the Knights are one of the largest benefactors of the Catholic Church. Uh, the Knights contribute millions and millions of dollars annually to the Church and Church causes. But where do you get that money? Well, so the Knights of Columbus is, uh, is an insurance company. So we, we, we are a fraternal organization, and we offer insurance to our members. Uh, and so... So, uh, and we've been doing that from the very, very beginning. Uh, and, I, and I would say in, in combination with our work in insurance, we have a very uh, sound investment department.
department that invests uh, in in uh, in invests our proceeds in causes that are 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 compatible with our Catholic faith. So we we invest. We have a screen on all of our investments, um, which is the screen that the U.S. Bishops Conference uses uh, to make sure that all of our investments are ethically sound. So that that's where that's where a tailor that that uh, those resources comes from for our charitable work. I see. So someone out there listening to this podcast decide, hey, that sounds something I'd like to be part of. Well, what's required to become a member of the Knights of Columbus? So to become a member, you have to be you have to be a man, 18, 18 years of age, and you have to be a practicing Catholic. Um, and uh, what you can do now, we've we've made some changes, but you can join on. Uh, it used to be that you you couldn't join online; you had to go through a ceremony, uh, and we still have we still have our ceremony to bring uh, men into the knights. But you can join online at at KOFC slash join us. And uh, that's kind of the quickest way to join the Knights and to be part of this uh, this great organization. In this day and age of COVID, uh, I'm sure it's necessary to develop other ways to become a member of the Knights besides an in-person ritual or ceremony, yeah. if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's, t- let's talk a little bit about you Um uh, I know you're a JAG officer. You're a Navy veteran. Uh, a little more about your background, please, sir. Yeah. So, um, so uh, I joined the Navy when I was in law school, and uh, I really felt uh, halfway through law school, I really uh, got the urge to serve in the Navy, um, and uh, so I signed up and I went into the Navy, went into the JAG Corps right after law school. I come from a family that that has a history of military service. My father served in the Navy uh, as a, as a, um, a, a medical doctor. Um, father uh, served. My father's father uh, served in both World War One and World War Two. Wow. Um, so, so yeah, so it's really it's it's really kind of a family tradition. And I just grew up. I, I grew up with a fascination for the military. And uh, as a little boy, my brothers and I would, you know, would, would always talk about the Navy. We were particularly partial, I think, to the Navy because of my father. Um, so I, I grew up with a tremendous respect for the military, and then I just wanted to do that. I wanted to be, I wanted to have, uh, have that experience. And I have to say, it was uh, going into the Navy was one of the best things I ever did. It, I, it was such a tremendous learning experience. And it was a character-building experience for me, and I just, uh, you know, I just have such such fond memories of, of that in my life. I hear some of our chaplains talk about the similarities between the the disciplines involved in the practice of Catholic faith and the uh, military discipline. There's some crossover, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, there is. I mean, I I think. Um, I think the emphasis on virtue uh, that we have as Catholics have is very consonant with with service in the military. I, I think in order to in order to be a, a, a solid Catholic and a solid Christian, it requires a certain sense of discipline 
and the same is true uh, to be to be in in the military, right? And to and to really succeed in the military. So I really think, you know, I really think there's something there. There 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 are shared virtues with our faith and military service. And it's no coincidence that uh, in the Marines, for example, the Catholics are. Um, uh, I suppose overrepresented, for lack of a better term, uh, in, in society at large, uh, uh, we, we uh, estimate about twenty twenty five percent of the population identifies as Catholic. But in the Marines, that number is even larger, uh, and it's certainly at least that much across the, the branches of service. Uh, so about the insurance. Uh, can anyone purchase uh, a, an insurance policy from the Knights, or do you have to belong? Yeah. Well, so, yeah, you have to become a member of the Knights of Columbus uh, to, to purchase an insurance policy. Um, but as I said, I mean, jo- joining the Knights is a relatively easy process now. You can, you can do it by going to um, kofc.org, uh, join us. And, and that's where, uh, so, so you do have to be a member uh, to own an insurance policy. And, and that really is the, the nature of a fraternal organization. I mean, that's what, that's what, uh, uh, the, that we're recognized as. You're a member of the organization. Um, you don't, you can be a member of the organization and not own a policy. Uh, and, and many of our members are in that category. Uh, but we also offer these policies because we we really believe that uh, for uh, for a Catholic man uh, to be responsible, you really need to you need to be thinking about your family. You need to be thinking about uh, uh, their their financial uh, well-being uh, at all times. So I think that's part of that's part of what we're talking about, Taylor, in terms of this virtuous approach to uh, to life that the, the Knights of Columbus share with the military. I'm talking to Supreme Knight Patrick E. Kelly, uh, the uh, head of the Knights of Columbus, and uh, a real honor to have you here with us, sir. Um, Supreme Knight Kelly, uh, you uh, mentioned about uh, the presence of the Knights in countries as far flung as uh, Korea and Poland, uh, and uh, it uh, seems to me that the uh, membership is increasing. The last time I remember checking in was around 1.8, but we're up to about 2 million, right? Yes, we are at, we're at 2 million members now. And uh, your, um, your goals for the organization, uh, are you looking at uh, uh, a huge expansion of membership or maintenance? Uh, what, what, well, uh, well, I think, I think yes. We, uh, my goal is to expand membership in the organization. I think we, we have so much to offer. Uh, the young Catholic man and to to give him the tools that he needs uh, to raise his family and to have a really vibrant uh, Catholic life. Uh, so my goal is to is to expand our membership and to reach an an ever younger uh, demographic um, because I think it's it's critically important, uh, particularly I think, and we talk a lot in the church about peripheries and and. Uh, going to the peripheries and I and, and periphery can be uh, understood in a broad way and I think in, in many ways uh, the young Catholic man uh, who is looking for meaning in his life he's looking for rootedness that 
that man, uh, he's a periphery in a way. And uh, particularly when he gets married and he has children and he's under pressure and he wants to raise his kids in the faith and he's, he's got a lot of obstacles working against him. He's a, he's a periphery, and I think the Knights of Columbus need uh, to come alongside that man and to and to help him, uh, and that's that's one of my goals is to do that to come alongside that man and to bring him in the Knights of Columbus. Well, there's no doubt uh, in this day and age when so many uh, young adults have fallen away from the practice of faith, not only in the Catholic Church but uh, across faiths and denominations. Uh, and no doubt, uh, strong leadership is needed at this time. Uh, let me let me ask you about one of the other major things that the knights are doing, and that is the annual Warriors to, Warriors to Lourdes uh, pilgrimage. Um, give me the background on that, and uh, what's the what's the purpose of it? Yeah, well, the purpose of it is to is to help our wounded, ill, and injured uh, service members to give them the opportunity to go to Lourdes, to this great place of healing, uh, and to bring all of their intentions and all of their their desires uh, for healing, to, to bring it to the Blessed Mother at, at this wonderful shrine, which is so known for uh, the healing of maladies. And so the Knights of Columbus have been doing this for a number of years now, uh, bringing our wounded, ill, and ill and injured uh, service members to Lourdes. And uh, I'm looking forward to going this year. This will be my first time going as Supreme Knight, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Any idea how many folks will go this year? I know there's been some disruption uh, in the uh, Warriors to Lourdes pilgrims, just like there has been in some of the induction ceremonies. Yeah, there has been, there's been a huge uh, disruption with COVID. Uh, but we're currently, you know, we're currently looking at that uh, um, in terms of how many uh, service members we'll be able to bring over. I don't think we have a definitive number at this point, uh, but obviously we'd like to bring as many as we can, uh, considering all the restrictions we may be under with COVID. And for those who qualify, the wounded and uh, ill warriors, uh, some uh, will be able to go uh free of charge as far as they're concerned, right? Yes, that's right. That's what, that's what we provide. Okay. Well, and then the and then the companions are able to go and others uh, uh of course they'll have to at least pay for some of their expense, but uh what a what a journey. And uh uh when 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 they go there, they'll be able to what visit the uh the springs, the healing springs and uh, participate in in various uh uh, activities related to the international pilgrimage, international military pilgrimage, which is taking place at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, well, uh, tell me in the little bit of time we got left, uh, you had a whole career, a whole career in the Navy as a JAG officer, for the benefit of the listener who doesn't know what that is. It's a lawyer in the military. And, uh, uh, you work in that capacity under the mili- uh, military code of justice, I believe, correct? I did, yeah. I and did. Uh, uh, just uh, in passing, uh, what is it like being a lawyer in the Navy? What kinds of cases do you uh, take? Well, I'll tell you, 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 have, you have a lot of different kinds of cases. You have, 
You have run-of-the-mill cases like uh, unauthorized absence, right? So just uh, the the typical AWOL case, or you have more serious crimes, uh, and and uh, so it really runs the gamut. I think I think for me, um, one of the things I really learned by by being a lawyer in the military was the importance of a of a solid family structure, and I I. Uh, Many of my many of the sailors that I represented at courts martial, uh, you get to know them over time, right? You spend a lot of time with them, and what what I really learned was many of them did not have strong family backgrounds, uh, and I think they didn't have a lot of guidance when they were growing up about decision making. So consequently, they they made poor decisions, and and really that 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 that. With, that stuck with me, and I would uh, uh, I reflected upon that, and it really brought home to me the importance of of a solid family structure, and, and really training children in virtue, and giving them just the the best that you could in terms of a solid foundation, and and so that was something I really uh, I learned it, it particularly as my I learned a lot in the in the Navy, but as a lawyer, that's the one thing I really came away. From is just the the importance of a solid family life. How do you think that experience will feed your uh, tenure now as the Supreme Knight of the Knights of Columbus? I think it reinforces uh, the idea that that uh, the knights need to be there for the family, and we need to be we need to be there uh, to to help uh, fathers and mothers in in, uh, in raising their children in the faith. So I think, um, you know, I think in a way, you know, I, the, the Lord has sort of brought me through those experiences uh, in many ways. And I think um, uh, prepared me in, in, in a way, if I could say that, for for this leadership role of the Knights of Columbus. And taking on this role, uh, you're the leader of, what, two million uh, men who are dedicated to the faith uh, how do you feel about embarking on this new adventure in your life? Well, I'm I'm very excited about it. Um, it's uh, it is it's a it's a tremendous responsibility, but it's also a tremendous honor because I I just I, I get to meet so many brother knights and they're they're so inspiring. Uh, they're such good men doing these doing great work. They have a love for the church and a love for for the vulnerable and the needy. So um, it is a lot of work, but I, I have to say it really is a tremendous, it's a tremendously inspiring uh, time. And I, I have felt lifted, lifted up by the prayers of so many people uh, for me, um, and particularly in this, in, this last, in this last eight months or so. I've, I will get notes and letters from, uh, from people who are praying for me. Well, just know that my prayers are among those uh, for you, Supreme Knight Kelly. Uh, Supreme Knight Patrick E. Kelly uh, joining us for this edition of Catholic Military Life. Thank you so much, Supreme Knight, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk to me today. Okay, Taylor, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it.
Catholic Military Life is a podcast of the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, erected by Pope St. John Paul II in 1985 to provide for the free exercise of Catholic faith in the U.S. military, VA medical centers, and the government's civilian workforce beyond U.S. borders. 1.8 million American Catholics worldwide depend on the Archdiocese and its endorsed chaplains for pastoral care. For more information, visit millarch.org. The Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, serving those who serve.